At last, the crowd moved forward. He picked up the duffel bag and slipped the strap over his shoulder. Aching and nauseous, he placed one deliberate foot in front of the other, part of the collective escape from transatlantic captivity, down the aisle, out of the belly of the plane, along the jetway and through the sunlit terminals of Mohammed V Airport. Three days of little sleep had brought him here, three days and three lifetimes since that call in the wee hours that had, without warning, provided long-awaited news. He'd sat in the dark, rigid on the edge of the bed, searching his way through possibilities until, certain there was really only one option, he'd picked up the handset once more and placed the call to Morocco. I need a favor. Those had been his only words. No introduction, no explanation, only the plea. Tell me, she'd said, I'm coming to you. And that was it. No goodbye. Just his unspoken fear wrapped into those words and whispered into the night, across the wires. He'd put down the phone, and then, with palms sweating and hands shaking, sat in front of the computer and purchased a ticket. He needed that favor and had flown halfway around the world to ask it. Now, without thinking, he moved with the throng while inside his head, the words of entreaty came and went, rewound and started over, front to back, end to beginning, in the same perpetual loop that had not stopped since the call. He slowed, stood in front of a plate glass window, stared out over the naked runway while those behind him hurried past. Even if he tried, he could never count the number of airports and train stations that delineated his youth a collection of visa stamps and endless moves that defined his life as one of eight siblings hopscotching the globe with cult member parents, together a ragtag group of economy-class vagabonds. Into the glass he whispered his name, strange as it was even to him. The sound drifted in a low and hushed tribute to the past that had brought him here, the past that refused to die no matter how long or how often buried. Sherebiah Gospel Logan His name was Logan, only Logan, always Logan. And to those few who knew the rest, he blamed it on drugs and hippies, which was so much easier than trying to explain what most could never comprehend. Desperation had compelled him here, to the one person who did understand the one capable of burying the past for good, if she so chose. He needed that favor, needed her to say yes, and instead of arriving with something to barter, he'd come a beggar, hat in hand, with nothing to offer but their shared bond and the secret dread that her answer would be no. His eyes tracked the last of the thinning stream of passengers and the airline crew as they trailed luggage down the hall, and finally his feet again followed. He moved through customs and the whole of the border crossing on autopilot, until he came at last to the waiting area, and there, among the sea of faces, searched hers out. He passed over her once, twice before finally spotting her with arms crossed and leaning into a column with a grin that said she'd been watching him for a while. Vanessa. Michael Monroe. Best friend.
surrogate family, personal savior. She looked nothing like the battle-hardened woman who'd returned from Africa's west coast eight months ago, now nearly unrecognizable in flowing pants and delicate headscarf, everything about her soft and feminine and the opposite of what he'd expected to find. But seeing her, he could hope again. He stood in place while she shoved off the pillar in his direction, smirk indelible, slicing through the crowd nimble and cat-like, her gray eyes not once breaking contact until she was within arm's length. And then, in a movement that would have resulted in a broken nose for anyone else, she reached out and tousled his blonde hair, laughing that deep, carefree laugh of hers that said she was genuinely happy to see him.